somehow able to bend light. He hunts by seeing our heat. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Now Playing presents the Predator Retrospective Series. I've waited a lifetime for this, and I'm not going to miss the chance. Leading up to the release of Predators July 9th, Stewart, Arnie, and Brock will be watching and reviewing all of the Predator and Alien vs. Predator films. What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and may contain objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. Come on. Do it. Do it! Today we're talking about Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, and Kevin Peter Hall as The Predator. Directed by John McTiernan, this is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. Stewart in L.A., Arnie, not in L.A., nor in a anonymous Central American jungle, although it feels that way because my air conditioner is broken. I'm sitting here shaving with no shaving cream because it's that fucking hot. <laughs> and you're, you're, are you doing it so tensely that the razor breaks right in the middle of it? Because you're so concentrated on hunting down that invisible warrior. I'll save that for Predator 2. Fair enough. All right, so we are here discussing the first film in the Predator saga franchise. What do you guys want to call this one? I, you know, it's uh, it's barely a franchise. It's right. barely barely a series. I I got to say right off the bat, I am a huge, 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 huge alien buff, and I think half of the Predator series we're covering here doesn't even belong in its world. I think that half of what we're covering is Alien, and, and I kind of wish we were doing Alien rather than Predator, but alas, the sequel coming up is Predators and not Alien 5. Right, so we're going to lead up to the Predator movies called Predators, so we're going to talk about the four films that include the Predator, which include Predator, Predator 2, Alien vs. Predator, and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Mm. Let's start off like we always do with these series on where we're coming from going in, and once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am the newbie on this series. And I bet some of you are wondering, Brock, what the hell did you watch when you were younger? <laughs> I was wondering that. Are you serious? You've never seen Predator before? I, I have seen the first Predator because the conversation went like this. I was in a cl art class in 11th grade or 12th grade, and my friend said to me, you've never seen Predator? Same thing, same thing you said. He comes the next day with the VHS. I go home and watch it that weekend and enjoyed the first movie. But I remember specifically seeing the poster for the second movie and thinking to myself, boy, that looks terrible. That's a terrible poster. And never had any need to see the second one, and I've never seen any of them since. So the only one I've seen is the first one, much like Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street that we've covered before in previous series. This I've only seen the first one, so I'm extremely new and looking forward to seeing what the big deal is about with Predator. And I am, as usual, the fan of the series, or... The strongest fan we have on this panel. I grew up watching Predator and even Predator 2 time and time again. And then there was a long period of time. How long was it? 12 years or longer where they didn't make Predator films. So it's kind of hard to be a Predator fan. I read a couple of the comics. There was Batman versus Predator. <laughs> 
I certainly played all of the video games, the AVP games, loved them, was so excited for Alien vs. Predator. I was more on the Predator side than the Alien side. Stuart's the opposite. I was so excited to see these two get together. And we'll talk about that when we get there, but I'm the Predator fan. Cool. <laughs> All right, and I'm the other side of the verses. I definitely am an Aliens fan, and it should be said, I want the record to show that Predator was always the copycat series. After Aliens hit jackpot in the summer of 1986, 20th Century Fox said, we got to make Alien 3, but can we throw something up there to, to tide people over until we can get Alien 3 out in 1988? Well, Alien 3 didn't come out in 1988. There was a lot of delays, but we did get Predator out of it. You, you've always told me that story about how this was a stand-in for Alien 3, trying to continue that. For this podcast, I actually researched that, and it, it, while there may be something to why it was greenlit, this actually was started in 1985 by 20th Century Fox. It didn't get made until Aliens was a hit. That's why it got greenlit. It would have languished perhaps forever had Aliens not been the blockbuster that it was. Joel Silver started producing it in 85, filmed in 86, out in 87. It may be an urban legend that aliens brought us Predator. It, I'm just saying it may be. I could find nothing to back it up, and I could find evidence that this was in process prior. All right, regardless, and you're right, I, might, I may be working off false information, but in, in my head, that's the way it's always felt as well. It's like if... I'm an aliens junkie. I'll huff into a bag, and that's Predator. And that'll tide me over <laughs> until wow. I can get my next alien fix. Because that's the series I love. And that's the one that, Arnie, we're going to have to do that series at some point. Maybe when they get around to this uh, supposed prequel. Hey, have you seen Robin Hood? Ridley Scott needs the work now. <laughs> oh, my God. She sure does. I, yes. Um, so, yes, perhaps there's some validity to the fact that they're going to be doing one or two 3D alien prequels in the next 18 months. But until then, we do have Predators, and I'm a very, very casual fan of the creature. I, I don't even know if the movie's yet. We'll get into that. But for the creature, I thought he was decent. I thought he was a decent foe for Alien. Uh, an interesting contrast, but my loyalty will lie strictly on the Alien side when we get to AVP. This movie, the first Predator movie, the movie we're going to talk about today, this is more like, if you're going to compare them to Alien films, this is more like the first Alien than the second one. No, this is Aliens all the way. Military team, a bunch of trash-talking, gun-toting, exploding people going up against some xenomorph that's unstoppable. That is Aliens, my friend. Aliens. No, I, I have seen the first three Aliens movies, obviously. Not enough times, but I do remember the first movie being a single alien hunting the crew members one by one, killing them all. And that, to me, is a lot similar to this one, whereas Aliens 2, I remember them, her with the big gun going after and killing a lot of many aliens. So that's what I was going for with that. In that sense, is it similar to that? Like they're kind of hunting in a, instead of a smaller spaceship, here it's a jungle. 
Sure, sure. I I agree, Brock. I think that the MO is the same as Alien, but the cast is strictly out of Aliens. Okay, so it's a combination. You you definitely had the machismo factor that Cameron brought. I mean, Cameron essentially remade Alien as a war film. And so now we have, uh, I almost feel like this is the Vietnam War version of Aliens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, why don't we get into this straight away with a plot summary? Dutch, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his four higher rescue team are called to the jungle in Central America to rescue a cabinet minister at his aide who supposedly crashed in a chopper. They're captured by gorillas. Carl Weathers, who works for the CIA, insists on going with the team to rescue the cabinet member, and their tracker, Billy, finds 12 gorillas were followed by six U.S. Army guys. Going forward, they find the six U.S. Army guys, Green Berets, skinned and hanging upside down. They trace the gorillas and find the hostages dead, and they weren't cabinet members, they were CIA, and some Russian strategic advisors. It's never quite explained what was going to happen there, but in the words of Carl Weathers, some shit was going to go down. They try to escape, but their air support won't pick up Dutch's group until they cross the border back to the safe side. Carl Weathers insists on taking a female prisoner they captured while raiding the camp, and during their escape, they're being tracked by the Predator, an extraterrestrial hunter with an impressive cachet of hunting weapons, including a personal cloaking shield, laser cannons, and more. As Dutch's group tries to escape back to the Choppa, the Predator starts hunting Dutch's group, picking them off one by one, until only Dutch and the female prisoner, Anna, remain alive. Dutch is almost killed, discovers that by rolling in mud, the Predator can't see him, the Predator sees an infrared, and Dutch uses his Boy Scout skills to set a number of traps and go mono-a-xenomorph with the alien, Predator, whatever, and eventually kills him, but the Predator has one last trick up his sleeve, literally, a large bomb that Dutch must escape. He flees the explosion and is picked up by the Choppa. Okay, so the movie starts off. With a burst of music as a title comes up, and I don't know about you two, again, this is the first time I've seen this movie since early 90s. The music burst comes in, the title comes up, and I just have this immediate feeling of, I know what I'm getting into. I got instantly into it. I don't know what happened with that burst of music. I heard the fanfare. I've always, of course, thinking Lucasfilm Limited is going to come up on the screen after hearing the, not the fanfare. But I hear the burst of music, and it's it's Alan Silvestri, of course. And then you, there's like no words for the first four minutes. The beginning of this movie instantly gets me into this movie. It, I think it's fantastic the way this movie starts. Yeah, it starts like the A-Team TV show, doesn't it? Except without the voiceover, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, you've, it's like a six-person A-Team. You've got a bunch of tough guys, each of whom has a personal characteristic, be it chewing tobacco, a cigar, shades stolen from a highway patrolman, or rimless glasses. I mean, each of them has a physical trait to set them apart, and that's about it. And they come in on a chopper to a boom, 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 boom. You know, it, it could be Predator, could be A-Team, but immediately, if you watched any tv in the 80s you know where you are you don't see his face you see the back of him coming off the chopper you see cigar of course is character development you know the whole thing is the shots they pick the way they see the characters for the first time it all is is very deliberate but it tells you everything you need to know there's like no dialogue for the first four minutes it's it tells you everything you need to know just by pictures it's great but you guys, I, I think it's really curious that you guys have instantly called the beginning of the movie the helicopter arrival in South America or Central America, because right. truthfully, the first shot of the movie is in outer space. I always forget that. In fact, I oh. put in my notes here, oh, I forgot about this shot. And 
I forgot again. I always forget about the generic shot of the kid getting dropped off at school. Well, let me <laughs> ask you that because this was the first question I had is, well, I almost have answered my own question here. Was it needed? Does it give too much away to let you know that there's a space alien right from the get-go before we even see the title? Let me just use some meta knowledge here, though. First of all, I don't think anybody really walks into a theater. Maybe 0.1% of people walk into a theater without ever having even seen a trailer for a movie or knowing a plot summary. The movie's entitled Predator. It's not entitled Central American Commando. We want that alien because he doesn't show up again for about half the movie. We need that tease. We need to be reassured we're sitting in the right film and not watching Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando 2. But isn't that the brilliance of it is that you think you're in that movie and then all of a sudden they trick you when in 20 minutes into the film you get into the Predator vision and you realize that what they're tracking or what they think they're heading to may not be of this earth. I don't know. I think they give too much away. I'm going to just go ahead and say I wish they had cut that shot out. Well, Stuart, as you so brilliantly pointed out, I completely forgot about that shot. You don't really need it at all. It's all explained as you go along. So honestly, you forget about it because it's so forgettable. Because it's as as Arnie said, he forgot about it too. You know, it's, yeah. So you really don't need it. So maybe it's there for those who do. Let, let me tell you why you might need it, though. Go ahead. If we didn't have that single shot, wouldn't you walk out going, "What the fuck was the predator?" If they didn't have that one shot. You don't know he's an alien. You might guess he's an alien, but I think that there's so many movies where in the jungle, new creatures are found. Now, usually they don't have nuclear weapons on their arm, but you know what I'm saying? It tells you where he comes from. It is the Predator's origin story in five seconds. Sure, and I, I do agree with that. But if they had included a scene or a shot of him in a ship at some point, the problem would have been solved. It's a really good point, Arnie, too, because he has that really cool suit with those gadgets on it. But you're right. It, it's not necessarily alien until you are told. He could be Russian. It was the 80s. Yeah, he just could be a guy with some sort of face deformant. Well, you know, what I was reading, the way this did come out is after Rocky Four. It was said that Rocky has beaten Russia. Now the only thing he can do is beat an alien. And that's where this plot came from, is some screenwriter heard that joke and ran with it. Ah, uh, Wikipedia. You gotta love it. <laughs> and no doubt they're emulating Rambo here. I mean, they really want the whole mentality to feel like Rambo. And I think what's brilliant about the movie is that they've essentially made a Rambo movie, but taken out all that uncomfortable, rah-rah American stuff that was the subtext that doesn't really play when you think about it in terms of the Vietnam War. It's an apolitical war movie. And by the same token, it's also one of those rare sci-fi movies that guys who like guns don't think of as dorky sci-fi, you know? I mean, there's always the Trekkie stereotype and what have you, but this is one where, like, the guys who would laugh at seeing a Star Trek or a Star Wars film are down with seeing some soft sci-fi. Could that be because no one in this film is smart? <laughs> I mean, truly, it's all a bunch of he-man grunts here. I mean, nobody is going to rival Spock for, you know, intellect. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they, they did know their jobs. They did know why they were there. They were sort of good at what they're supposed to be doing there. Sort of good? They were the best. Well, there you go. I like the tracker. was. I thought I loved the tracker. Yes. Sonny Landon was the actor. He plays Billy. I know him as Billy Bear from 48 Hours. I loved that character. So I like the team. 
being so with it and they're not a bunch of idiots. I thought that was pretty fun because everybody had a job to do and everyone knew what they were doing and yada, yada, yada. That, it was really smart to have no morons on the team. You know what I mean? Except for if you want to count Carl Weathers who just didn't belong. So. I, I also think the guy that's making all the pussy cracks is kind of uh, annoying and, and yeah. definitely asking to get killed. I'm not sure what his function is supposed to be, but he's played by Shane Black, who is or was, I should say, a Cracker Jack Hollywood action writer. He didn't do any writing as far as I know on Predator, but he did work with Joel Silver. And I'm sure that's how he got the gig. Well, Leave for Weapon is his big movie. As a writer or an actor? As a writer. He wrote okay. Leave for Weapon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, really, I mean, everybody on this team, for the most part, is somebody I know from somewhere. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Dutch leading the team. You got Carl Weathers, Action Jackson, and Rocky. Apollo Creed, baby! You've got Bill Duke, who... You know, is a name you may not recognize, but he's he was also in Action Jackson. He was in Red Dragon. He was in X-Men 3. He seems to always play a cop, but he was the bald guy who was shaving. You've got Jesse Ventura proving that sometimes a wrestler can act. Does he prove that? I thought he was good in this movie. I went with it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it was award winning, but... I've seen a lot of wrestlers in a lot of movies, and Jesse Ventura is second only to The Rock as far as being able to play a role. I think in this role, he was more than adequate. I think he was fun. I loved his lines. He delivered them great. I ain't got time to bleed. He reminded me of Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe. You know, it was kind of fun. I, I didn't have any problem with him at all. I know Bill Duke from Commando. I think, isn't he in Commando? Yeah. He's also a director in his own right. I don't know if you remember a little film called Deep Cover, but he made that. And then there was Richard Chavez, who I'm going to go real obscure. I was a big fan of the War of the Worlds TV series, and he was the military guy in season one before being killed off in season two. Whoa. Wow. Props to you, sir, because I watched that show, too, and I wouldn't have been able to pick out Richard Chavez. I was like, hey, it's Iron Horse. <laughs> I had a trouble keeping track of Poncho and Hawkins. I actually thought they looked so much alike, I got confused as to who was on screen at certain points of time. Shane Black and Richard Chavez looked the same to me. They're, I did they're... totally, too. Shane Black has the glasses. But I... that's the only reason you recognize him, because the other guy looks so much... If you took the glasses off the other guy, he looked exactly the same. Like, they had the streaks of camouflage on the other guy as well. And they're the first two to die, aren't they? So it's interchangeable, practically. Yeah. So. Actually, doesn't Poncho Poncho sticks it out for quite a while. Yeah, he's actually one of the last to die, but neither one of them do too much here other than act as predator fodder. But really, <laughs> you know, you get this crew together and yes, it's pure testosterone machismo. But I loved it. I went with the pussy jokes. I went with the one-upsmanship. I went with the mid-air arm wrestling between Arnold and Carl Weathers. You know, it was, it, what it, was that about? <laughs> that bicep shot lasted forever. Look at our cool Oh, my biceps. God. That had to be written into Arnold's contract. In fact, I feel like most of his performance is done with his arms in this thing. He is always like sleeveless, and he is always flexing those biceps. And honestly, they give a better performance than his face. Well, as somebody who has watched Arnold more often in his 90s, work than his 80s work it's easy to forget that guy was fucking built yeah and he was fucking built i look at that I'm like holy shit i certainly liked arnold schwarzenegger in this role i liked his facial intensity when it is needed the way he turned to the camera and was looking around for whatever it was i saw the intensity in his eyes when he was barking orders for the most part if he kept it to two sentences or less 
it was great. Anything longer than that, like that scene when him and Dylan are meeting for the first time in the office, I, but he's in the jungle and he's given orders and they were looking around for whatever's going on. I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was just great in this role. I had a lot of fun with him. And let's look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's career at this point. He was on his way to being a star, but it was Predator that made him a known quantity for me. I hadn't seen Terminator yet, which was his big film before this. Yeah, there were Conan and Raw Deal and Commando, but really Predator is when Arnold Schwarzenegger became known to me as a movie star, and then he followed it up with The Running Man, Twins, Total Recall, Terminator 2. I mean, this was the start of his launch into the stratosphere. I think it was the first time he stepped out of the action ghetto, you know. The, it, well, Terminator. True. I, I think of Terminator as not being his film. It, it, oddly enough, I know that seems strange because it's probably the one he'll be remembered for. But Terminator, to me, the original one, was all about Linda Hamilton being terrorized and she was the star and he was the villain. He wasn't the central focus. He was the bad guy. And that changes it for me. But here he was for lack of a better word, a leading man. I don't know, guys. I'm not as up on him as you two are. I think he actually was a little less interesting than everyone else on screen. And I really do feel like he was letting his bodybuilding do all of the impression here because he's just still kind of green as an actor. And I don't think anybody other than Cameron ever got a really good performance out of Arnold. I think I'm, I disagree with you on that one. In this, When he's on screen and he's the guy, I'm watching him. And in this movie, the other guys in the group, they did great. I like a lot of the cast, but I think for me, when he's there, he commands my attention. I, he was he's certainly the, very he's good He's the in biggest. It. I mean, that's why he's the biggest. He's the one that you would least want to screw with. But <laughs> but there's more to it than that. I think he carries himself the best, too, because when I was watching this, I mean, like I said, I know most of these guys. Yes, I know in my mind that Arnold goes on to be the biggest star, but in these scenes, it seems like he carries the scenes he is the glue that brings this group together and i think he did remarkably well i really did and even though his dialogue wasn't the best in those early scenes where he's in there talking to the military guy and talking to carl weathers he pulled it off i'm not sure jesse ventura could have i guess that's part of what i'm saying when i say jesse ventura is good is all of these people were cast very well for the role they're playing Sure. I, I'll agree with that. They're, they're stock characters. They all fit the bill. And I'm not saying Arnold is terrible here. I'm just saying he doesn't seem to have the presence that he would in later, bigger films. When I think about him in Terminator 2 or True Lies, I think there's Arnold Superstar. Here, I don't know. I really feel like he looks almost overshadowed by everybody else. And I feel like if you had subbed in Sylvester Stallone, he might have even done it better. He might he definitely would have connected on a more human level than Arnold does. Arnold really has like two facial expressions the entire movie. He does. There's like pissed, scared and yeah. pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, interesting uh, theory, Stuart. You know what doesn't quite square up with me about Arnold's character, Dutch? You know, maybe what I'm bumping into as well is he's supposed to be the moral mercenary, that they've created him as someone with a conscience. And he even says to Carl Weathers early on that he's a rescuer and not an assassin, and that he turned down a job in Libya because supposedly they wanted him to bump off Gaddafi or whatever it was. And so these are people that have been all around the world, and they've been to Germany and Afghanistan and Cambodia and seen all of this action, but they pick and choose which battles to fight based on moral principle, not on money. And that's kind of actually what gets me is they keep calling Dutch major. So is he a mercenary? Is he in the army? It's not really clearly defined. I take it as mercenary, but 
there's not much talk of pay or anything. It's it's very vague. It's like the writers don't care. They just need to get this team in. And I, honestly, I'm wondering now that I've said the A-team, if they weren't just ripping off the A-team a little bit. It feels well, very A-team. Well, didn't they say that I'm coming with you as an order? Like, didn't Carl Weathers muscle his way in, no pun intended, into this group's going there because he said, I have to go with you as an order from the top or something yeah. like that? Yeah, so therefore, he is military, I guess. Otherwise, orders wouldn't mean a damn thing to him. But, I mean, the A-team's former military. It, it's just not to explain. It, it's, that's what it is. So Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can see it now with Blackwater and how war can be contracted by outside help, but they follow under the jurisdiction of the army. I mean, they're hired guns, which in my mind would say, we're here for a paycheck. We don't care who we shoot. I mean, I think that's typically the, the mentality of hired guns is they're not there to make moral decisions. They're there to collect their checks. So I thought it was a little weird. I mean, I know you need to have a, a leading man that you can identify with and since Arnold is giving the performance I claim he's giving, I think this was a way to make him relatable and, and heroic, was that, okay, well, he wouldn't just pick a fight unless it were worth fighting for. But when we finally find out what they're fighting for, which is a communist insurgence in Central America, which was going on all during the early 80s, Arnold doesn't think that's worth it. He's mad at Carl Weathers. I was completely baffled by his indignation about being lied to. I didn't understand it at all. It seemed unnecessary, honestly. I mean, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I really haven't. I remember that there was a plot where Carl Weathers lied to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I really thought that plot was that Carl Weathers took him down there because of the alien. And that uh, this whole plot that goes on for quite a while. And like you said, Stuart, you feel like you're in commando about this insurgency. It has nothing to do with the Predator, really. It's just the mm -mm. it's the excuse for why they get there. But in today's movie, the excuse for why they get there is it done by the opening credits. So to spend so much time on it and to give such an action set piece to Arnold and the crew storming this village or this base, it feels odd to me with my 21st century aesthetic. I like it, though, because it's fun for dumb action. You know, it, as far as dumb actioners go, it's one of the better ones. The whole lying, though, it, it just did feel unnecessary and it never went anywhere. I agree that it would have been cool if Carl Weathers could have been seen as someone that betrayed them, but I just didn't understand I mean, I thought they were going to get there and find out, find a bunch of money and find out that they were doing this all for money and not for, for political reasons. And that I thought that there was going to be a self-interest involved that would be why we would dislike Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers wanted to stop communists. I, I don't think that that's any different now than it would have been then. I mean, that's usually been our M.O. You know, and Carl Weathers, though, the actor with the role he was given, tipped his hand from the get-go that he wasn't telling us everything. Why Schwarzenegger couldn't pick it up, I don't know. But I picked it up immediately. Again, I haven't seen this movie since the early 90s. I completely forgot all about this. So watching this movie, I was like, oh, come on. He's totally hiding something. And then when they get to that scene, Arnie mentioned, the big action scene, the only thing I can come up with, Arnie, of, as to why it's in the movie, besides a kick-ass action scene, is to show us how capable this group is to do that sort of mission. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, we wouldn't really know besides talk about how capable these guys are. And so when the Predator does take them out one by one, they're up against something that these guys, for all intents and purposes, you think they can handle anything at that point, And then they meet something they've never encountered before, yada, yada, yada. So that's the only reason I think it's there. And again, like you, though, at the time, I was like, 
this is really well done. I, I mean, how many more slow motion shots do we need of a guy being blown away from an explosion? I don't know, but they certainly had a lot of fun filming them. <laughs> you are right. I, I hadn't put it in that my mind in that way, but yes, it does show them as capable of doing what they're doing, and it gives us time to relate to them. You know, it, it, it's the first act of Friday the 13th. You know, you got to know the your victims before you kill them so you can feel bad when they die. Exactly. It also gives Arnold one of his rare chances here to be funny. I mean, Arnold is known for the one-liner and stick around. Oh, that one was bad. And <laughs> knock, knock was worse. <laughs> They're bad, but this is what he was known for at that time. If you watch Commando, it's just replete with those kinds oh, of things. And man. I think this was Commando pandering. I mean, I think that they wanted to appeal to those core hardcore action fans and and this scene really delivers it because shockingly most of the rest of the movies played pretty straight and arnold is afraid he's on the run and is not cracking wise to the better of it i think that that's a good thing but it's certainly out of character from what he had portrayed himself in his other starring action movies yeah you're right and all the best lines come from jesse ventura anyway yeah he's more fun he's definitely a more comical character i'd have voted for him yeah. <laughs> the governor who ain't got time to bleed. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I wish he were my governor. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You got the other one. That's right. <laughs> and so after they blow up this camp and they take the prisoner, that's where they get the girl prisoner, and Carl Weathers, we keep calling him Carl Weathers. What's his name in the Dylan? Dylan. <laughs> is convinced that she knows information that they want and he drags her along. Then we get this shot of I think it's Mac who kills the scorpion. Yes. And they linger on this scorpion, and I can't, for the life of me, I'm like, why are they doing this? And then we see the invisible predator hand and the predator vision, the whole thing. And I found that an interesting way to introduce that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time you get any sort of predator action? You're wrong. I'm wrong. So Uh, when is the first time you get predator action into this point? Well, first of all, they find the dead bodies, so there's hints at it with the skinnings. And there are a couple of shots before that of... The I think, aren't there a couple shots before that of the heat vision? Yes. Heat vision comes in at 18 minutes, 20 minutes, they get to the camp. So wow. there you go. Yeah. Look, you taking the very astute notes. Mm-hmm. Well, there I, you go. Well, I definitely wanted to see how the movie was paced, and I really was interested in the reveal of how we would learn about this creature. I mean, he's the real star of this movie. Screw Arnold, but the real star of this movie is the Predator. What's he going to be? What can he do? What is his mission? All of these things are what I want to know, and I like the way that it slowly unfolds. Barring the opening shot of From Outer Space, I think they do it very, very well. I completely agree. They really keep him in shadow, or no pun intended, but for much of the movie, he's invisible, and you just see the cloak effect, which I remember in 1986, that was like blowing all of our minds. That looked so cool. It's still nifty. I mean, it's still fun. <laughs> it, it's Yeah, but now I'm like, he's moving really slow. It's like, he, you know, it, it's <laughs> like every time you see the cloak, it was a slow-mo shot or something. They didn't get the movement just right on it. And then when you first see him is after he gets shot a couple of times that it's all extreme close-ups, his hand, his leg. And then when you finally see his face, it's so quick. They really tease you throughout this entire movie before you get to see the Predator. And then, of course, the end, he takes off the mask and you finally get to see what's under. But the entire movie is almost a Predator strip tease, if you want to look at it like that. It really is. It really is. is. 
And really, the Predator was so cool with his heat vision and the cloaking shield and the laser cannons. The heat vision, you know, I I still love it to this day. I think it's a very cool trick. I'm glad that they thought of something, you know, that's actually a fairly sci-fi concept that he sees in a different light spectrum. I thought that was cool. Got a couple problems with it. First of all, you see the Predator looking at his own hands. He must have one really hot core body temperature because his whole hand was red. He's looking at other people. They have red cores, but they kind of get blue as they go out. And the other thing with it, it seems like the body's cooled too quickly. I I guess I may know too much, but it's like he'd kill somebody instantly. They're like blue or green. Like the scorpion for for Matt. Yeah. And later on, there's some corpses that do the same thing. It's like, well, they'd they'd still hold on to some body heat for a while there. Was the predator vision his innate visuals or was that something he had in his mask built in? It was in the mask, and we know that in this movie because when he takes off the mask, he no longer can see thermal. He just sees, like, red. I don't know if... Is the Predator visually impaired? Because when he takes off the mask, he loses almost any ability to see Dutch. Everything is just red. And then in the sequel, I'll I'll spoil that a little bit, there's the scene where the Predator goes through all kinds of different modes of seeing. Hmm. Oh no, now Predator can't see 3D movies, which I'm sure they'll eventually make of him. (laughs) I I agree. I, I was really curious if his vision was so bad with the mask off, why he would take the mask off at all. But, you know, they did it so we could see the face because we really wanted to. Because, to me, the coolest thing about this alien, besides the whole hunting thing, which is really kind of fun, the, the, that part of the movie, is that he's wearing a suit. He's a technically advanced alien. And it's, it's really kind of cool that he's actually wearing a suit. What a great idea. What a different kind of idea. Instead of it being like a beast that has to eat you alive and only use its claws and its mouth, he has technology in addition to the claws. What's really funny is... Apparently, the Predator was played by Kevin Peter Hall. I'm going to pull this one out now. I know Kevin Peter Hall as being the really tall guy from Misfits of Science who could shrink himself. Wow. Okay. I saw one episode of that. I don't even remember that character. (laughs) Wow. I I saw every episode was sad when it died. It introduced me to Courtney Cox. (laughs) The Predator was initially to be played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that was another urban legend Stewart sold me on in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Was that it was Jean-Claude Van Damme. No, it was a it was supposed to be. Yeah, I always heard that it was and I was trying to run around and tell everyone, "Hey, did you know that Jean-Claude Van Damme when clearly Jean-Claude is not nearly as tall as this actor is." All no. I had to do was watch the credits to prove you wrong, but I didn't. <laughs> Who watches credits? <laughs> Boring. <laughs> when Jean-Claude was originally slated to play the Predator, this is the description from Wiki. The original monster was a disproportionate, overweight creature with a duck-like head. <laughs> Get me Jean-Claude for that. <laughs> a duck? Could you imagine if you took off the mask and it was Howard the Duck? <laughs> oh my god. Well, there wouldn't have even been a Predator 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's that's a tragedy. It was only after they lost funding and had to kind of go into turnaround that they redesigned the Predator suit to the iconic thing we know, which is creepy. I remember as a kid, those mandibles, those jaws that came out with all the mucous membrane. It, it's like a tarantula, isn't it? 
Yeah, a tarantula for lips. It was a good idea. Uh, so we lost Jean-Claude's duck. Uh, can I just say, was Stan Winston responsible for that? Because maybe it would have been cool only if Stan Winston had designed it, because that man can work miracles. I think he's a great effects artist, and he certainly did a bang-up job on the final results. I would have been curious to have seen what he could do with a duck, but I'm kind of glad we don't. I'm glad it's not in the finished film. I agree with you. There wouldn't have been Alien versus Duck Predator. No. Overweight duck predator at that. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? <laughs> but instead we get this guy, which is really, I mean, first of all, yeah, he's seven foot two. And I don't know how much of his suit and how much of it's that guy, because he played kind of a nerd on Misfits of Science. But he seems as built as anyone on Arnold's team. And they're both armed to the teeth because Arnold's team, they had a ton of grenade launchers and never ran out of ammo. This guy had the laser cannons. It, I mean, it seemed like an a really good match. Yeah, and another thing they do to, to co- sort of contrast him with Dutch is that they also make him a, a character with morals. He will attack and he will hunt you, but if you don't have a weapon, for example, he's not going to bother. He only goes for men that are armed, and, and that in many ways parallels Dutch's morality about how he'll only do certain jobs if they're morally right. Of course, I kind of wonder how Dutch figured that out, because he's like, you weren't carrying a gun, no sport. Like, okay, you're telepathic with the Predator now. Yeah, he certainly seemed to know, like, almost like he read a script. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And later on, he didn't see me. It's like, (laughs) okay, uh, are you positive that's it? Are you sure this mud camouflaged you? You're really taking a leap of faith there. He figured all this stuff out brilliantly, and then he had to need to tell us the audience that's what's going on. And so, to me, it's more like bringing us along for the ride, but I completely agree with you. Who the hell is he talking to? But I do think it's kind of fun when he figures out that the mud camouflaged him. That was kind of cool for him to say it out loud, because the Predator Vision not seeing him didn't give it away. He also calls out for the audience that Anna didn't run away because she's so scared of the Predator. He also calls that out for us, too, in case we couldn't figure that out. It's just the screenplay, in case we're not thinking, gives us the clues Two different ways. They flat out tell you after they show you. It's like they almost thought while they were going, maybe we should explain this for the denser people in the audience. They are. This is a smarter Arnold movie. That's exactly what they're doing. If If they thought their audience was the same audience as Commando, they have to talk down to them. They're absolutely right. I I just thought that was a little weird. They kept calling it out. I mean, when I first saw it, I was 12. And yeah, I needed the Arnold explanation. (laughs) But now as an adult, I don't. Fair enough. The only one that really rankled me, honestly, most of it I could just go with is, okay, well, there's your exposition in case you're not keeping up. But when the Predator actually breaks into their little fortress and grabs Jesse Ventura has been killed, that he grabs his body and takes him. And they're like, how did he get through all of our traps? And Arnold goes, like a hunter. I'm like, oh, come (laughs) on. At least he didn't say, like a predator. It was a line that was not needed. And it really infers way too much. I could believe that Arnold could figure out most of the MO of this man that is tracking them. But that he would state so blatantly that this was a hunter from space is too much. When the Predator's picking off these people one by one, I felt a little bit bad for Mac when Blaine, Jesse Ventura, died because he's like, he was my friend. You know, I I actually was like, that was a nice little character moment. Yes, it was a completely telegraphed character moment, but it was certainly needed so his actions in the next 10 minutes make complete sense. 
So Arnold falls into the lake. That <laughs> scene is the best scene in the whole movie. When awesome. he's when he is knocked down to being the only one. There's Anna, but who cares about Anna? Go to the chopper. I'm like, why is this communist woman going to run to the Americans? <laughs> but whatever. I... Because the predator's that frightening. <laughs> Capitalism is better than predatorism. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't have a weapon. I think she'll be fine. But anyway, and he's on the run, the only guy left. And you really, even rewatching this movie, I'm like, how is Arnold going to get out of this? Because every time he almost escapes, he falls, you know, into a river and then goes over a waterfall and climbs on the bank. And you think, wow, that was crazy. And then splash behind him. And the predator is just behind him, you know, 10 seconds behind him. I couldn't remember the mud. I was really wondering, how does Arnold get out of this? Because that thing is relentless it is not going to stop until it has him and the beauty of it the way the predator vision shows what he can't see when arnold is covered in mud is such a great reveal and such a nice end to that moment really a great scene now i have a question about that when the predator follows arnold down the waterfall and gets out and can't find him does the predator think dutch is dead because the Predator then goes back and starts polishing his skulls because he likes a trophy collection. And Arnold is making all these traps. The Predator's not hunting. The Predator's kind of chilling. And it's not until Arnold sets a fire and roars like a tyrannosaur mm -hmm. that the Predator realizes the hunt is afoot. Right. I, and I never thought about it till this time, but does the Predator think... That Dutch just went down the river? I do think that's true, yeah. I don't think he think, thought he was dead, but he definitely escaped. I think Something like that. I completely agree with you. I think that he had plenty of time, a la the A-team, to set up whatever he needed to set up, and so he could therefore trap the guy. I, I thought it was a really great way to give Arnold the time he needed, because as Stuart said, this alien's very much like the Terminator going after the people till they're dead. So yeah, absolutely. Now, so Arnold sets up his Boy Scout traps, and like Brock said earlier, it's very much like the A-Team, and he calls the Predator out. All right, I gotta ask you guys, do you think that was Arnold's real roar, or do you think that was... I mean, obviously it was somewhat modified, but do you think any part of that was Arnold, or do you think that was like Tiger? I didn't give it much <laughs> consideration. I, I, You mean, I assume you don't mean Tiger Woods. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not Tiger Woods. I, all I could think of during this scene was this is where the movie goes completely apocalypse now. Arnold has become like Martin Sheen, apocalypse now. One of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. And he completely goes jungle, paints himself green, and is ready to take Marlon Brando down. And it really, you know it's on at that moment. And it's such a nice callback to that movie. And I was ready for it. All it was missing is him slowly coming out of the water with his head. Yes, and right? some doors. Yeah. <laughs> the doors music, right. Would the mud have really masked him that well, given that it was now dry and thus probably much closer to body temperature? I don't know, but you'd have to shove it into your eyeballs as well. Well, yeah. true. He didn't true. even show up at all, but, you know, hey. But really, all it was was the odds were even. Now, he couldn't see the Predator. The Predator couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. Because it should be said the Predator's whole invisibility got messed up when he fell into the water. But it still works here for a little while longer. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> because it, it shorts out in the water, but then it works again until... Arnold shoots an exploding arrow that he borrowed from Rambo in front of the Predator, and then the cloak is gone for good. Yep. Because exploding arrows, those were right out of the 80s. I, I can, I don't know. Do they really have exploding arrows? They probably make them now. I'm, pro I'm thinking someone in the back of Guns and Ammo, like, saw Rambo and said, we are making that. <laughs> I liked it when the Arnold was looking one direction and the Predator was behind him. 
That was really good. I think that when those shots happened, I thought it was a great use of actually lighting because you've got Arnold who's, you know, completely covered in mud in the darkness. And the fact that you were able to see as well as you could and everything. I was watching the Blu-ray. The transfer was really good. I just thought that the light and the color and everything really helped convey the tension that Arnold had in his eyes when the Predator was behind him. You've just hit it for me, Arnie. You have nailed the thing that I love about this movie then and now. It's the way that this movie is made. The cinematography, the way this camera moves, it's amazing. They are in a real jungle. This is no backlot studio set here. They are really in the jungle, and this camera is doing amazing crane shots, dollying. I mean, that's hard to do on unlevel ground. I, I don't know how they were able to get a look that is so smooth with colors that are so saturated and rich. I mean, it, this movie looks incredible. And without this director of photography and director, I'm not sure what kind of movie you would have had. You would not have had the thrill of the chase the way that you do in this movie. And I'm going to predict we won't have it again in a Predator movie because this DP and this director are at the top of their game. And I want to echo that completely. Uh, I believe this director needs full props. This is John McTiernan, who would go on to do Die Hard, which I think all three of us will agree is an amazing action movie. Uh, what I loved about the way this movie was, was filmed, they had in the foreground all this foliage all the time. So when they're walking, you see in the foreground them walking towards the foliage and then away from it, the way they actually were tracked. Now, I also thought they were not on a set the whole time, although a couple of the shots, like the late in the movie when Arnold was in the mud and the, attacking with the Predator in that log or that, whatever that shoot they're in, I felt they kind of created that maybe on location, but it, it kind of felt like a set to me there. But for the most part in the movie, especially the daytime shots, it was almost like they were in a small patch of jungle, but they made it look like a gigantic jungle by the way they were shooting it. It was amazing with all the the close-ups and then the far shots and then the, and the foliage in the front. It was just such a brilliant way to film this movie. It really immersed you in that jungle with these guys. It was so much fun to watch how this movement of the camera and what the director did with this movie. He, at certain times, without the dialogue, all you're seeing is, is the actors and the scene unfold because of what the camera and the director has directed. It's just remarkable how much mileage they get out of that. The composition is making up for everything that the cast can't do, for all of the shortcomings of what the actors aren't able to convey or have to say outright in exposition. The camera sells it. And this is the key weapon in Predator the movie is this, the way that this has been photographed. It really was a lot of fun to watch this movie because of these things. It, it's a, not a typical action movie. But in the end, to the average viewer, they're not going to go into that much detail. They're going to just go, that was good. And they're not going to know all the whys. You've just explained all the whys. But yeah, I think even the average moviegoer is going to have a richer movie watching experience because of this. You don't know, but you can feel the difference. And I mean, it's just something instinctual. I mean, I haven't felt like being transported in a jungle like this since Apocalypse Now, and that's quite a high compliment because I think that movie captures the madness of the jungle like no other, and this one comes close. Mm -hmm. So the Predator eventually wins. He has Arnold dead to rights, and Arnold is laying on a tree trunk, and whack go the Predator's hand blades on either side of Arnold's neck, mm. and Arnold has a really big neck, so the Predator has a bigger hand. 
I'm confused <laughs> by that. But then the Predator decides, oh, it's not enough now to beat Arnold. I must beat him hand to hand. The Predator's ring is outside in the jungle. <laughs> I get it because the Predator's all full of honor and, you know, won't kill without guns. He's found his match and he wants, I think, to feel that he can beat Arnold with his hands. By the same token, I'm like... Well, if I'm fighting a rhinoceros and I can shoot the rhinoceros, I think I'm going to. Yeah, I, I think that you just have to accept the fact that the predator had reached the end of the line. If there were more men to kill, he probably would have just gone ahead and done it. But this was the last. This is the best one. This is the one that gave him the best fight. And so why not savor it? You know, why not draw that out a little bit more? I, I get it. I, I totally buy it. I understand. Take off the mask. Show who you really are. Intimidate through your face. It's quite intimidating. <laughs> I think it's great. And honestly, I mentioned Kevin Peter Hall earlier. His body language as the Predator works really well here, too. He, the way he, that he moves and the way that he kind of crouches at the knee, which he might have been told to do so he could be on the same eye line as Arnold. But it just really makes him look lithe and dangerous. Yeah, there's only like one shot or two shots that I can think of, and I can't even tell you where they are. So that's how fleeting they were of when I thought it was a guy in a suit. Otherwise, you didn't really think about that stuff. You really were watching the Predator versus Arnold. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't look like a guy in a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers suit. And what I have to say is, I think the Predator mask is cool. You know, everybody thinks of Predator, they think of the Predator face, right? With the eyes and the jaws. Yeah. But... I like the mask. I really do. I think that the mask is badass. I agree. Yeah. It's sleek. Yeah, and it's partly because for the longest time when you're first watching the movie, you think that is his face. You, I, I didn't realize when I initially watched it that, that what, I wasn't looking at the Predator, that it was a, a suit of armor. Very true. I, I didn't either. I did not realize that. And also what's odd is he wears the mask, but he doesn't wear any other kind of armor. In fact, he's wearing some, like, stripper fishnet stocking <laughs> he's wearing the gauntlets right he's wearing i think he's wearing some sort of um soccer pads on his shins but um he has the gauntlets that have those you know the cool boba fett stuff in them and stuff like that and the, and the bomb of course so yeah but you're pretty much right it's it's just a maybe like he's uh, going bicycling or rollerblading and just covering his wrists and his head so arnold finally lures the predator to stand right below the tree trunk on the bullseye yub nub that was, a, I'm sorry, I, I was so with the movie that I'm like, he, he stood in the exact location you needed him to stand? That was and right after he calls him and says, come on, come get me, or whatever he says, he, and if he didn't fall Do for it. Do it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go around the other side and hit my mark there. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I would have preferred another explosion, honestly, to the large Ewok tree trunk. And then maybe he could have been blown away in slow motion himself. That would have been nice. Points off on Arnold for this one. I thought that he didn't fight a fair fight. I wanted to see it go fair. And, and I thought that this was stupid Keystone Cops tricks. It's, it's a <laughs> wimp out. Yeah, because really Arnold isn't stronger. Arnold isn't better. Arnold had one extra trick. Right. And so does the Predator. I gotta work out the fact that he has a nuclear bomb strapped to his wrist like a watch. Okay, I'll tell you, when I watched this movie again when I was 12, I walked yeah. out of there. I was not your normal 12-year-old. It mm -hmm. bothered me for days because I'm like, well, Arnold didn't really live because the radiation's going to kill him anyway. Right, right. Yeah. 
How does he? How does he even get away? How does he even run far enough away from a nuclear detonation? Because it's a mushroom cloud. Here's the thing: I don't think it's nuclear. I don't yeah. think it's nuclear. I think that it is many, many megatons, and you see the plume cloud, and because it looks like a mushroom cloud, and because it's the '80s, yes. we think nuclear. But yeah. I don't think it's a nuclear bomb. I think it's just a really like big explosion. Yeah. Now, how Arnold outruns it, you still got that same problem. How do you outrun fire? But well, he um, got into a refrigerator, didn't he? And it helped him. The lead lining helped him survive. No, maybe I think of a different movie. Yeah, maybe I think of a different movie. That could be. Uh, you know, one other thing I want to bring up: the Predator. First of all, we haven't given props to his uncopyable little clicking noise that he makes. I wish I could do it. It's the coolest little monster roar since Chewbacca. He makes this. <laughs> I don't even know. I think you have to choke on your own tongue in order to make that sound. It's kind of like a rattlesnake. But yeah, but he can also speak in voices that he hears. I got a question for you guys. If you if you think you know. Does he understand English and is he spitting it back to them or is he just playing things randomly? I thought that early on when he was saying things, I thought he was actually recording them and playing them back because it was coming back in their voices like a duck call. Right. For lack of any other hunting term that I would know. Maybe that's why they were going with the obese Van Damme duckhead. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I agree. I thought it was a recording playing back and not necessarily understanding that what he's using is appropriate or not. But no, at the he, end, he yeah. does take Billy's laugh, the Native American tracker, finally right. laughed at one of the pussy jokes. And he does take that laugh to mock Arnold when Arnold's running away from the blast. I know. The man's like the an amazing mimic. <laughs> he's rich little. He, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> he must know what he's saying, right? I, I don't know. And I have the same question in the sequel, to be honest. I don't know. I know that at the end with the laugh, he must think of it as some kind of roar. But I couldn't tell. It was Billy's laugh, but it was also amplified and echoed and longer than Billy's laugh. So I was like, does the Predator laugh just like Billy? Is he playing back a recording? Is he mimicking Billy? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but I my guess was he played back the recording. But his mouth moved. That's that's the only flaw with that. And I have the <sighs> same problem when I say it was a recording is his mouth is moving like he's going ha ha ha. So. But it was computerized. As you said, it was like digitalized or something when it was played back, which is why I thought it was electronic. But you're right. Now you think about it. It came out of his mouth. So I, I don't know either. Yeah. We just don't understand these aliens and their vocalisms. Yeah, no, well, there's obviously a lot more that we need to know and want to know about Predator. And I think that's good. I think they've given you a taste of what the creature can be and hinted at what it can unfold to be in the future. You don't want to know everything at once. But there is one thing I wanted to know what this movie did not tell me. Why is the Predator there? Why did the spaceship launch him down in the beginning of the movie? Why? I don't have a why. It's a kick-ass movie. It's really fun to watch him hunt these people. He's a Predator. He has a trophy case, yada, yada, yada. But why here? Why now? We have no explanation on that whatsoever. We have a little bit, and the only purpose that Anna really serves is that one monologue she has where she states that at the hottest times of year, things like the Predator have come and hunted people in the past, that this is a uh, ritual. So I took that to mean that 
this is just a cool place to hunt and that there are predators rolling up every season to uh, take down whatever's going on in Central America because I imagine Central America has no shortage of guerrilla warfare. And honestly, I didn't need anything more. I mean, I'm not a hunter. I don't exactly understand what gets people up at four o'clock in the morning to go shoot a deer. But the predator has that same thing going. He woke up at four o'clock in the morning, drove to Earth, got dropped off and went to kill some humans. It's it's the hunter's instinct. And you just got to accept it for what it is. He is a hunter. He hunts for fun. Yep. And armed people only. So it's actually a challenge for this hunter as opposed to just slaughtering people who are not unarmed or who cannot defend themselves. But he goes to someplace fairly sparsely populated, doesn't he? It's, Agreed. He doesn't go to City. Oh, wait, that's the sequel. Yeah, I was about to say, they, they uh, fixed that one. Um, well, we'll see if they fix that one. I have one last thing to say. The end credits, I, I said how the opening felt like the A-Team. The end credits, did it feel like Chips? Because it has everybody like doing their move, and then they turn to the camera and smile. Ah, uh, I don't Except know. Except Arnold. <laughs> Arnold refused to smile. It wasn't in his contract. I mean, it you, was you like a are, scene from the movie. You guys are going to TV, but I mean, they did this in Wild Bunch. I don't think that this is so anachronistic. I mean, in all the big guy guy war movies, this is kind of how it was done. Because usually you had a cast of dozens, and you have to remind people of everybody at the end. Now, this cast is obviously much smaller than that. Did they need to do it? No. But it's certainly in the tradition of a war movie to give everyone their final curtain call. Stuart, Carl Weathers catches the gun and smiles. It's like, a, it's like who's the boss when they answer the phone or something. It, 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 it's so TV sitcom opening credits with the smile to the camera for everyone but Arnold. It was the smile that did it. You know, it wasn't just that it's a <laughs> remember these people who died at the hand of the predator. It was the smile at the camera that made it cheesy. The other thing, though, is it, it felt filmed specifically for the credits for the most part. Like it was an outtake or something where the, it wasn't a scene from the movie where they were happy at the beginning because God knows most of those people never smiled. Jesse Ventura never smiled in the movie, I don't think. But no. he did at the end credits. And they all make eye contact with the lens, breaking the fourth wall with it. Again, TV. I think that there was a real attempt to try and brighten the downbeat ending. Because really, most of these guys, you're, you like them all, most of them are dead and slaughtered. It, I, I think they wanted you to leave feeling good about the whole team. I, I think it was a cheesy and an unnecessary, but uh, an effort to make us remember the positives. They didn't want downbeat because if you look at all the downbeat sci-fi that was going on in the 80s, The Thing, for example, or, or Blade Runner, those weren't hits. They wanted to make sure that people didn't leave feeling bad. So, Arnie, Stuart, do you recommend Predator? Stuart. I do recommend Predator, and I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. I went into it feeling like, oh, this is just the wannabe sci-fi film. It's a good film. It's a really expertly made film. McTiernan is in total control, and he and his DP give you a tight, suspenseful movie. I have my problems with Parts of the movie, uh, mostly the cast. I'm not really with Arnold. I wish the Russian thing had played out a little bit more. But given all of that, it's still a great introduction to what could be a classic horror a sci-fi character, which is the Predator. The Predator is the star of this movie, and it is a brilliant introduction to him. Recommend. Arnie. 
I do recommend. But while Stuart is shocked at how strong his recommend was, I'm shocked that mine's just kind of a solid recommend, but not an extreme recommend. In watching it, I definitely thought this was one of the better machine gun toting, exploding action films out there. But really, that's what this is. There's not a whole lot of sci-fi to it. There's not a whole lot of horror to it. This is an actioner where the villain just happened to be an alien. And because of that, it had some unique elements, but overall didn't feel very unique. It kind of felt like I'd seen it before in other Arnold movies like Commando and Rambo and all these other movies of that era. It just felt so much like a part of those. It felt like one of the better ones, but all in all, those aren't the smartest genre of movie. They can be fun, but they're not anything that you know, you're going to necessarily just keep going back to and be making movies about, you know, 30 years later. So I recommend it, but with reservation, I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. And I'm right there with you both. I, I feel it was very well made. I was very surprised with how well it was made. But I do agree that I don't understand the gigantic, gigantic a fan base appeal of this movie. I, I don't understand why so many people were like, oh my god, this movie's the greatest! It is a lot of fun to watch this movie. I had a great time. I will probably watch this movie again when it's on TV. So I'm right there with you both. I recommend it. Enjoy this movie. It's really fun. They do a lot of things well. And yeah, this time it's an alien. You know, It could have been a big lion, you know, but it's a big alien who has cool suit and really gives them a run for their money. Um, definitely check this out if you've ever seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time. Have a good time with this one. It's a great Friday night movie. Really, seriously, check it out. Let me just say, as the Predator fan, I think part of the reason for this film's staying power is nostalgia because it has those quotable lines like I ain't got time to bleed and if it bleeds we can kill it and this shit will make you a sexual tyrannosaurus just like me. I mean these are lines that my gaming friends and I would quote again and again and again and we'd use in other games we'd be playing Duke Nukem and you could load Duke Nukem with quotes from movies and we'd load Predator quotes. I think that a lot of its appeal is nostalgia and us building up these quotable lines and some of these moments and some of the cool weaponry and things. But as a full cinematic experience, the sum is less than many of the parts. It's an intro. I'm intrigued. I want to see what more they can do with Predator. I was discounting Predator. I thought he was an inferior creation and I'm ready to say, okay, show me more. So that's why I think I enjoyed it as much as I did. I agree. I'm completely there. This movie was the beginning of Predator. I want more when this movie ends. Yeah, and I certainly hope they give us something good when we go to Predator 2. They won't. So, if, <laughs> so, <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to our homepage at www.nowplayingpodcast.com and download other retrospective series that we have there. We have The Karate Kid, Back to the Future, we have Terminator, we have Star Trek, Halloween, Friday the 13th, a whole bunch, and you can find them all in our archive section. Also, you can find a link to our forums where you can discuss this podcast and any other podcast we've done in all our retrospective series there with other listeners like yourselves. If you like the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive review so other people like yourselves can find us and we can continue to bring these programs to you free of charge. And also, last thing, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We're posting all the time about movies we see. You can join in the fun there at Facebook and Twitter. And we're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, right, Stuart? Yes, 
a now playing meet and greet is going to be had at the yard house at the bar. We're going to be there. We'll be wearing now playing shirts. So come by, have a beer. We'll talk movies. We'll talk Comic-Con. Come costumed. Come costumed as the Predator. (laughs) Or the human centipede. I'm telling you, free beer. Any human centipede. (laughs) All three of them. You're going to be really screwed, Stuart, if the 12 segment shows up and wants their beer. (laughs) So we will reconvene when we talk Danny Glover in Predator 2. Talk to you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode in the Predator Retrospective Series. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Please come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week from now through July 10th to get a new episode of this series. Come on in, you fuckers. Come on in. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can download our podcasts where we cover such movie series as Terminator, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. This is getting better than a minute. Now Playing is not affiliated with 20th Century Fox. Alien and Predator are copyright and trademarked 20th Century Fox, all rights reserved, and no infringement is intended. I don't think he gives a shit. Now Playing is a production of Inganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. I ain't got time to bleed. The Now Playing Predator Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie and Jay. I wouldn't wish that on a broke dick toe. Yes. Uh, is that correct? That okay. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream with Jennifer Connelly. If, if only we could bury it. Yeah. And we will. <laughs> we will. All in due time. Hey, I'm so not, not going to go on the record yet on it. I, maybe it's Defender. You never can tell. Yeah. A trench left for lips. It was a good idea. Although I don't understand how he could possibly not have dry mouth. <laughs> His mouth's already <laughs> always open. It's a gape. Well, he wears a mask, and it's probably very humid in that mask. Perhaps. You're probably right. <laughs> We Maybe he keeps his mandible. He could keep his mandibles uh, lacquered with uh, lip balm. I don't know. It's. I'm not, <laughs> not going to worry about the predator's lips. I'm not going to yeah. kiss the guy. Yeah, chapstick <laughs> going on. That's funny. <sighs> That's funny. All right. So 